If you love this podcast, help us spread these stories to more women by following us on Instagram at Simply Amazing Podcast and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. The link is in the show notes and the Instagram bio. So it would mean the world to us to help share this message. Thanks. Resilience is, I feel like it's also more than just bouncing back, but it's seeking to reach out and to lift others. So many people are struggling and when you've learned and become empathic because of experience, I believe that there's no greater joy than lifting another person. Hey everyone, welcome back to She's Simply Amazing, a podcast all about sharing the stories of incredible women that will inspire us all to live huge, beautiful, and amazing lives. I'm your host, Carrie Brinton. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much. We're so grateful that you're joining us again for another episode. Today, we have a wonderful guest, a friend, Amy Thackeray. She's a mother of five children, a wife, and I'm going to call you an Uber athlete. Can I use that term? (laughs) You're very generous. (laughs) Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. So I'm going to read to you. I was going to kind of summarize this, but I'm actually going to read the list of all the races that you've done because this is impressive. Three ultra marathons, which are 35 to 50 mile ultras six marathons, 63 half marathons, 20 10Ks, 24 5Ks, six sprint triathlons, and a plethora of wins, two overall, seven first place, nine second place, 12 third place. I mean, your list is impressive, Amy. I just think I have a running problem. (laughs) Maybe, maybe a little bit. No, your list is really impressive. And so we're going to touch on that aspect of your life. But your list is impressive on its own when you combine it with some of the challenges that you've had in life and what you've had to overcome to be able to physically accomplish that. A lot of your challenges have been physical. You've dealt with autoimmune issues for all of your adult life. And even in your childhood, you had a lot of, we'll call them emotional challenges, physical and emotional challenges that you've overcome. So um, we're going to get into your story and understand really the big picture of how you have overcome everything to be able to accomplish these physical feats, which are so impressive. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself personally real quick, and then we'll get into your story. Uh, Let's see. So I'm a wife of 24 years, almost 25, and I've I've been blessed with five children, and we've lived where we're at here for 14 years. And uh, you talked about my running. I love to read, especially nonfiction, and I work, and I'm just, I think I'm just like everybody else. Okay. (laughs) You're a typical mom. Yes, definitely. That runs a lot. All right. So I would love for you to start kind of big picture this because you have a lot of, I think, messages that are going to resonate with a lot of people. But if you could big picture in your life, what have you learned from the challenges and the way you have overcome those? Give us your big picture and then we'll get into the details of what exactly has gone on in your life. That's a really good question. I would say that I have learned that as people, I believe there are essentially four parts to us. I would say that there's the physical part of us, there is the emotional part of us, there's the mental part of us, and then a spiritual part of us. For some people, that might be more of a higher power. And so I have learned that these four elements of ourselves directly interplay off of each other. And so in order to have a good quality of life, which I believe leads to happiness, we can benefit from examining these four areas in our lives and see maybe what we need to change or improve or address. 
think that's an awesome big picture to start with. I love that. So why don't we start with your your childhood and tell us a little bit about how you grew up and some of the things you experienced. So I am a third child of my parents' marriage. They had divorced when uh, I was about two years old. And growing up, I had a lot of domestic violence in my home. I grew up in an environment that wasn't physically, emotionally, or mentally safe. And that definitely had an impact on me uh, in all four areas, I would say, of what I've mentioned. There's a lot of important lessons that I learned. And growing up as a child and being able to feel safe physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, I believe is very fundamental and it can impact us our entire life. If we get the opportunity or choose to go back and address that and look at things that we've learned and to process trauma and difficulty, then we can grow and those difficulties no longer have to define us in a negative way. You know, you and I were just, were just barely mentioning before we turned this on that as an adult, we have more of those opportunities, right? We have opportunities to do therapy, to learn about mindfulness, to learn about mindset, to learn about all of these more nebulous concepts and how how critical that would be to be able to bring that to children. Absolutely. Right? You had Dr. Julie Hanks on. Yeah. And I remember her saying that she got to go to therapy. Or right. Her parents were mindful enough to do that at 14, and I was so impressed because, as you had pointed out in the podcast, that was kind of unheard of. Then And I have such a strong desire to have these resources available to children. You know, I feel like we send these uh, kids to school to learn to read, write, you know, understand Mm -hmm. science and history. And there's music and arts and all these wonderful aspects to education. And I feel like we're kind of lacking in the mental health area. We look at what we've dealt with with this pandemic alone. It's not just adults that were affected. It's just been everybody. It's been really hard and a lot of change. And I just wish kids, there was some curriculum that could teach them mindfulness and, you know, how to be aware and just there's experts out there that could speak to this much more than I could. But I would love that because I know the efforts that I've tried to do with my children, you know, they've been involved with therapy. I have as well. And so I just feel like it's an important component and let's give people access. The experts out there, you hear this? Come on. You know, (laughs) I agree. As a child, I'm assuming you didn't have any way to process what was happening to you and the things that you had to experience. Definitely not. Growing up in the 80s, you know, uh, great music, but not so much (laughs) in terms of mental health. And so no. Okay. So you, ha- and you stayed in that home all the way through until t- you were 18, right? Yes. And um, there was a couple years where I had lived with, you know, different parents, one and then the other. But yes, I will say though, that a big resource I did have was spirituality. Mm. When I was a young child and things were really terrifying, I knew that the things that I was experiencing did not come from God. Mm-hmm. I've had family members that have understandably been angry yeah, you know, at God, and there's a lot to process and anger and, you know, terror and all those things are very understanding. But for some reason, the gift of faith has just been something that I've been given. And from a very, very young age, I knew God loved me and he would comfort me. And it's just not a lot of resources, but that was just the great constant that came through my life. I'm so grateful for the spiritual foundation that I was given because it was a really big tool for me. That's the rock for you, for sure. So moving into your young adult life, 
You got married when you were 19. and Definitely. Not what I was thinking. <laughs> that wasn't part of fun. That's classic, right? <laughs> yeah. You can say that when you get married. I know. Again. No one who gets married at 19 was like, I totally planned on that. No. Okay. But you, you got married at 19 and pretty quickly you started experiencing physical issues. So kind of jump to your honeymoon story. So I don't want to throw my loved one under the bus, but he's it's definitely totally his fault. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Let's just fault. say it's the one decision I, I regret. Okay. And that's not him because he's he's wonderful and amazing. But yeah, no, no, no. We After were, married him, right? My husband grew up on a ranch in Darien, Northern California. And some of the property that they had, we had spent time exploring. There was a nice rock, you know, tea rock had a tea on it. And, you know, we just were out there for... Uh, wedding festivities. And anyway, we ended up not taking water in July. That's not a good idea. And so we ended up drinking out of a stream. And so our honeymoon got cut a little short because we both got Jardia. Oh, gosh. And so um, unfortunately, my husband got better, but I just never did. I always seem to struggle with GI issues, and that's gastrointestinal issues. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so tell, give me a big picture of the development of that into kind of what became your core issue. Right. So just kind of for reference, people might not know what Crohn's disease is. I ended up being diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2002 when I'd had a bowel obstruction. My husband was in graduate school at BYU and I had just been so sick and I ended up with this bowel obstruction in the hospital. And it was a blessing to be able to be finally diagnosed with something that I had literally been dealing with for six years. But it turned out to be a different kind of a challenge. And so trying to figure out how do I live and what do I do? And so Crohn's disease is an autoimmune disorder of the digestive system. And so it can be anywhere from your esophagus down, you know, through your intestines. And so for me in particular, I have experienced Crohn's disease mostly in my small intestine. And so I'm not able to digest and absorb food very well. And it just comes with a lot of icky So what are some effects. of the symptoms of that? Like so chronic uh, diarrhea, vomiting, pain, bloating. I mean, how we can, we can talk about bathroom stuff, but yeah. <laughs> we don't want to go true. quite there. No, let's do it. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's pretty just, just intestinal issues. In and particular. I would assume if you're not digesting, you're probably weak, you're probably yep. lethargic, anemic, anemic. Um, just inflammation all throughout the body. And it's interesting with autoimmunity, especially with Crohn's, it's not uncommon to have autoimmunity affect other systems within the body. So mm -hmm. for example, my gallbladder became diseased and I had that out in 2009, and my thyroid has had issues, so I've dealt with Hashimoto's. And so it's not uncommon for autoimmunity to kind of go from one system in the body to another. Can I ask you a question about the autoimmune issues? Because I'm going to be real honest with you, and I hope I say this correctly, or I hope I express this the right way. I think sometimes when people have autoimmune issues, they're kind of that invisible disease, right? Oh, for they're, sure. You don't have necessarily a skin rash, or it's kind of like you become that person that it's like, I can't go, I'm sick again, or I've got a headache again, or I've got diarrhea. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's true. It's that invisible disease that's constant, but without a core source. And so you become that. And I'm, I, I haven't experienced this. But I'm speaking from just, I don't know, experience with other people. It's almost like you become that person that is just chronically sick, but without a real visible demonstration of that. What does that do to you emotionally to just be chronically sick? It's just really draining. So but when the body is dealing with autoimmunity, the inflammation is throughout the entire yeah. body usually. And so, you know, being achy all the time, there's a, con there's a, a fibromyalgia is a term right. for people that have that just 
pain all the time. And it's not like, oh, I've got a cast or I'm using a wheelchair, right? right? And so people, if someone's in a wheelchair, oh, let me open the door for you. Obviously, this is hard for you. And so autoimmunity is really challenging because it is unique depending on what you're dealing with. But it's so just like someone who has no legs can't walk. It affects their entire body and experience. Autoimmunity is like that. When I run, I'm always aware of the bathrooms. (laughs) That's just the reality for me for a very long time when I would run a successful half marathon for me was not stopping for the bathroom. Yeah. And so, you know, and it's really hard when you're trying to perform, for example, knowing that two minutes in the bathroom is just two minutes you could have had out there. And so it is what it is, but it would be so nice if autoimmunity was really visible, right? But it's not. And inflammation is full body. And it affects not only you, but it affects your loved ones as well, because they they care about you. And so it's not always visible. And you said your pregnancies were extremely difficult. <laughs> pregnancy is always difficult. Let's be it real. Is. <laughs> it is. But but some, some of us have it worse than others. Yes, it was very, very, I had chronic vomiting and TMI, diarrhea. And so I was given medicine, so I would vomit a little less. But pregnancy definitely took a lot out of me. Mm. as well tired and you know extra it was just I'm grateful for my children yeah they're totally worth it (laughs) that's good to know now I can imagine that at this point in your life you know you've gone through a very traumatic childhood with all sorts of abuse in the home you haven't dealt with that the beginning of your marriage brings on these physical challenges can you tell the story you talked about depression was a big part of your life, and maybe st- maybe it's still something that you struggle with, and we can get to that. Will you talk about what happened after your second child? I will. I became just severely depressed. I think I was struggling with anxiety as well. They mm-hmm. tend to go hand in hand. And I had these two beautiful daughters, and my support system wasn't very good at that time. Some of the people that I were close to were out of the country for different reasons. And so... Uh, I had two small children under the age of two, and I had one that was just struggling. She was beautiful. She's a wonderful adult now, (laughs) but she didn't nurse well, and just there was a lot of challenges, and I found myself lower and lower, and I just was like, I'm no better. I'm I'm doing the exact same things that were done to me, you know, and, um, you know, who wants to yell at their kids and just... I needed help. I needed resources. And I just decided that I didn't want to live anymore, that this was just not worth it, that my family would be better off without me. My husband deserved a, a wife who could help him and care for him. My children deserved a mother that, you know, was healthy and loved them and could meet their needs. And I just, I just couldn't. And so it was at this point that I was like, that's it. I don't, I, I can't do this anymore. And so what happened? So I decided that I needed to act. I had had um, some pain medication left over from C-sections with my two daughters, and I knew my husband would be gone for work. So I decided that I would take a lot of medicine. I had had a brother growing up who had actually overdosed on some medicine. And so that was it traumatic experience that I saw when I was eight years old. So I knew what that would do. They ended up taking him to the hospital and getting his stomach pumped and he was okay. But I knew that I knew what medicine, strong medicine would do. And so my husband left for work and today was the day. By 11 o'clock in the morning, I had 
a friend of mine, her name is Mary. She called me and she said, how are you doing? And I said, oh, you know, I don't feel very well. And, you know, she's like, oh, okay. I just felt like I should check on you. And she called me back uh, an hour later. I really feel like, you know, how are you doing? I'm okay. Can I come over? No, I feel like we're sick, you know, and I don't want to get you con- contagious, you know, but thank and you. And even with her calls, you still had that in your mind? Absolutely. This is the day. I just, because with depression, often there's this overwhelming burden Mm-hmm. of just it's heavy you're alone you're you're literally like in a dark hole and it was hard to take care of my girls you know to 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 nurse them and feed them and it i don't know if i can adequately give words to it if people have not been there when you literally feel like the world is better off without you and i was so tired and i'd been sick for so long and i just wanted to be done. About an hour later, she showed up at my door. She took one look at me. She says, you need to come with me. And she brought her, she brought her daughter with her, Lindsay. And she scooped up my girls. She took me back to her house. And I just, when her husband saw me, I just, both of them, I just started crying. She said, what can we do? What can we do? They helped me, and I was like, I need help. She said, what can we do? And I says, I think we need to call my OBGYN. And made an appointment for first thing the next day. And I went in and was given some uh, prescription medicine, antidepressant. Did you tell Mary right then what had been going through your head? I did. You know, um, I told her she knew. She was a close confidant, and she knew that I had been struggling, but I don't think my husband knew the level that I was struggling. I don't think anybody really did. When, when you're a child that's not allowed to express themselves very mm-hmm. well, it's hard to find the words to ask for help. You feel like a burden. It's not allowed. You feel weak. You feel weak. Yeah. And you, you lose that ability, I think, to articulate until it's learned yeah. later. And so she literally saved my life. Can we spend a minute talking about, about just this, this period in depression? I, I know so many people that are listening. It's going to be meaningful for them to hear your thoughts. You hadn't, had you tried to communicate anything to your husband at this point in any way? Or you just, at this I point think, you were soldiering through, I'm going to hold it together. I felt like, you know, women do this all the time. Women yeah. nurse, women have small kids, especially um, growing up you know, with, with religious examples of women in the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. And my mother-in-law was a mother of nine children and she is no longer living. She is an amazing woman. And so I had a lot of examples around me of very capable women. And so it just, you just keep, you do it, you know, and sometimes you get so sick, you don't know how sick you really are. You just, these are kids that this, when children are small, they really cannot do anything Mm -hmm. physically for themselves. I have an infant Mm -hmm. and, you know, a little two-year-old. And so you just got to do it. And you just go lower and lower and lower, dragging yourself out of bed. That's it. Just sitting, doing nothing. It's horrible. If you could look at that now, you're in a different place in life. Thank yeah. goodness. You're in a different place in life. What what would be your thoughts, your advice, your words for people that are in that at the moment? The young mom, whether you, and, and I think that, I, let me just say like, 
you probably, like you say, you were experienced depression or postpartum depression. You had a lot of trauma in your life. But I think that a lot of women experience that even without the clinical depression, the feelings of, I can't be a mom. I'm not going to be any better than maybe the bad examples I had in my life. Everyone else can do this. And I'm the only one that can't handle this. Like you said, one of the things that triggered it for you is that your child wasn't nursing, right? That's so common. It is. And especially because, you know, everyone knows that pregnancy is hard and you kind of figure it out. And then you have this beautiful baby and then you got to learn how to like nurse them. That's really not easy. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes you don't even like that baby. Let's be honest. Sometimes you're like, it's a lot of constant change. And it's like a lot of the things that we learn as adults, there's all these skills, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think I really came lacking some skills that I needed and lacking the ability to cope with a lot of things. And looking now, if I saw a woman in crisis like that, I would absolutely, you know, come to her and, you know, listen, but offer solutions. And what can we do? We can help out with your children. Can we take you to someone to talk to, Mm -hmm. you know, and just giving them the support, talking to the spouse as well, because obviously what's affecting one is affecting the other too. And the burden of wanting to change generational patterns is really hard. And that was, I think that was a really big part of also what I was dealing with as well. And so learning how to navigate all that, you know, being depressed, not having probably the right chemicals Mm -hmm. in my body and my brain at the time made a huge difference, the medicine. And I was subsequently on an antidepressant through all the remaining children that Mm -hmm. I had and for several years after. And so I think pregnancy and all of this takes a lot out of us. It takes some time for the body to reset and to heal. And I think I would want other women to know that they really need to reach out, that they're not alone, but it's so hard when you're in that hole. Mm -hmm. It would be helpful if loved ones around us had the ability to see, just Mm -hmm. like, just like Mary did, literally came and rescued me. Yeah. What a blessing. And I think to to me, that's such one of the most beautiful parts of the story that you're telling is this woman who was a friend of yours. She tried I mean, it took three tries for her to get through to you. You know, that first time you said, yep. nope, I'm fine. The second time you made an excuse, no, I'm, I'm not yep. feeling good. And she just knew she had that inspiration, that gut feeling, that higher in- divine messaging, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, She had that and she acted on it. I would love to highlight that as a lesson here for all of us listening. Of like, it's true. We all have those promptings. We all have those feelings of like, someone needs a call. And we don't do it because yep. we're like, what am I going to say when I call? Right. And it hopefully is not always as dramatic as saving somebody from the depths that you were in. But I would just challenge everybody that's listening to like, be that Mary, go do it. It's a good thing to be wrong at. What I'm saying is to show up and be like, right? And so to show up and be like, oh, you know, okay, you know, great. No big deal. You know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes maybe you should help and uh, show up and help somebody fold some laundry or play with a kid for a little bit or let, let a mom take a walk, you know, or just not have a kid hanging on her and touching it, you know, and absolutely what a good thing to be wrong at with that. And so just in so many ways, we just don't know the little nuances, the little gut feelings, right. Mm -hmm. Or the promptings that people have. Absolutely. We should listen. Literally, literally changed my life. I had three other children, you know, and I'm here and so for me personally, it's helped me be very empathic. I don't like people suffering. And I just don't know if we always take that, we appreciate that, you know, a little thing, relieving somebody's burden 
is, is one of the greatest gifts we can give someone. I completely agree. So let's, okay, so <laughs> let's move into, There's a lot here. I know, I'm like, okay, where do we go? So after that day, was that a turning point for you or no, you were still dealing with, you still hadn't gone through therapy for your childhood issues. I would say you still had the physical it illness. was a start of a turning point, but not okay. really. I was in a, it was in a fairly small community and mental health help was pretty isolated. Okay. I had sought out a therapist there, but I didn't get the opportunity to spend a whole lot of time with them. And, and I do worry about that too. I think that there are rural communities where mental health resources are very, very limited. Yeah. And that's something that I wish would be a big priority. Well, I'm thank, thankful now. I, I, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of online Absolutely. and text and chat and I think it's video conference better. calls available better. that are more affordable and more accessible. Yes. And that's the other part of it too, because affordability is hard. Yeah. You know, a lot of people well, you know, need help and can't always afford it. It's a challenge for sure. So when did you start, when do you feel like you really started taking charge of your life, both physically and emotionally? So I ended up with five kids. Um, My last (laughs) daughter, bless her sweet little heart, um, she was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. And so I um, had my fourth child and I ended up with an infection and they gave me antibiotic. And here's your public service announcement for the day. (laughs) May I please help another woman? I didn't know this when you told me. Okay. So an antibiotic makes your birth control ineffective. I don't know how. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Right. Okay. So there we go. My PSA is totally worth it. So ladies out there, pass that along, right? For real. And so um, I ended up accidentally pregnant when I had a four month old. And so, wow. Yeah. So my last two kids are 14 months apart. And the challenge with that is because my pregnancies are so difficult, it was really hard. Yeah. How are you going to care for an infant? I knew I was going to be pregnant for two years. Emotionally, that was just very hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) to deal with, you know, with just how sick I had been and the impact it would have on my family. And so as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I reached out to my GI doctor and he told me that I needed to stay on the immune suppressing medicine that I had been on. He said it does cross over into, you know, the barrier into the children, you know, the placenta, what's the word I'm looking for? Sorry. And it would, you know, affect her. But he looked at me and said that my health outweighed the health of my child. And that was really hard for me. That's hard for a mom to hear. I just, I literally spent the whole pregnancy thinking I had poisoned her. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't even articulate the burden that that was. And when she was born healthy, I really feel like it was a miracle because I just felt like I had poisoned her. They're giving you drugs similar to what they give cancer patients, just not quite as heavy. Mm -hmm. And so it's not exactly the same, but it's similar. And it's very powerful medicine. So you went into him. He could, he recommended that you continue with them, but what was your decision? My decision was, I can't do this, you know, because I had said, what about diet and exercise? You know, there's got to be other options and other things because I had started kind of trying to do some learning. And no, it just, for whatever reason, the doctor that I was with was just not comfortable with that. And so this was it. I was like, I cannot live this way. Mm-hmm. I literally had a conversation with God. He says, you have to help me. I have these kids and I can't live like this. I cannot physically function with five kids, eight and under. My sweet oldest, bless, her name's Chelsea. Bless your heart, Chelsea, because I know how much she stepped up and she's a remarkable adult, but it's just as a parent, I had to find another way. And my Mm -hmm. husband was there, but as a mom, it's just physically with kids and infants. It's just, it was awful. Yeah. And it's different no matter how much, you know, 
women's rights, whatever. Yep. It's just different, right? It's different. Your emotional, your emotional level of responsibility to your children is different. And we have such a physical bond with them because we yeah. carry children. And even those who have not had that ability to physically carry children, it's just a female. I wish we could explain it. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's just part of our essence is, is, is who we are as women. Yeah. So how was that pregnancy? So you were off the medication. It was hard. You <laughs> did, Was it on the couch for nine months? It was pretty close. Uh, mm. We brought someone in to help clean our house. I just existed. Yeah. Chronic vomiting, chronic diarrhea, chronic exhaustion. It's the dark days, according to Chelsea Aww. and my second daughter, Bethany. Okay, so after number five was born, are we getting to a turning point then? Yes. At this point, for, I have to tell you that being told that my health was more important than my child's, was that was, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Okay. Because I just felt like this is an innocent child, and I can't, I can't do that to my children. You know, and I would have raised, no matter what happened, her. But it was definitely the turning point, and that was it. I, I spent more time looking into it, researching and I, I decided to get healthy. I got a gym membership and I went in and I ended up meeting my running coach who would literally spend the next 12 years of my life. And he's become like a brother to me. His name's Paul. Okay, Paul. Good job. So let's talk about that a little bit. How did you transition into being like the Uber athlete that we announced in the beginning? <laughs> because you say you're a runner and it's not like you're just out jogging for fun. Like that's some serious, serious When running. I started, it was awful. It was horrible. The goal for my very first, you know, we ended up after seven, eight months of, you know, trying to exercise and just, it was horrible. Well, no Because you went into this chronically inflamed I was, absolutely. Sick. Wow, you know? that's, that's a feat right there to just pick yourself up you know, and, and, and anybody there. out there that is like, I want to get healthy. It's New Year, right? You know, <laughs> it's 2021. Anyway, always kind, always supportive to people. Changing your life in any way is such a monumental task and it's always incremental. And that is what it was. It was little increments, little increments, you know, being able to try to start running, you know, and just feeling like I wanted to throw up all the time and exhausted. It was finding a bathroom, you know, it was just, it was just hard. And so increments, little by little, tiny step by step by step is, and consistency. That is, I will say that has always been the biggest blessing is consistency. And even to this day, I'm still consistent. And my coach really helped me appreciate that. He worked with me where I was at. He showed me how to lift weights. And, you know, we ended up planning a little 5K. The goal is to run without stopping. And I was really, really proud of that. If anybody's been to Sugar House Park up in Salt Lake City, it's up and down a loopy yeah, loopy. Yeah. And that was the goal. I remember looking at those hills going, oh, yeah. and, oh I got to go down. Oh, I got to go up. Yeah. Anyway. And so just step by step, little by little. And do you think having that accountability partner, he was your coach, but is that a big piece of being able to be consistent? Yeah, absolutely. Because he was, he was such a mentor because he was a guide. He was not only a runner, but he also had the knowledge to work with me. Big shout out to, his name is Paul Hafen, and he holds a doctorate now in exercise science from BYU. He lives in the Midwest and he still writes my training plans when I'm getting, if there's a race I care about. And he had the medical knowledge to work with me. I'm not kind of your average person, I would say, with my health issues, just, you know, go find some online whoever. I right. needed somebody who really had 
lot of scientific knowledge to be able to work with the, the issues that I deal with. And he was that way. And he worked with me line upon line. He never pushed me. He always encouraged me. It's an interesting, I had a situation a couple of years ago where I was having some issue with my knees and I went in and got, uh, ended up getting some PRP done mm-hmm. on my knees. And he came to that appointment with me. And I don't know if we always appreciate mentoring You know, whatever capacity you are in your life, reaching out to others and helping them along their journey is so important. And he did that. And he's always done that, you know, coming with me and having serious conversations, you know, when the doctor's like, I don't think you should run anymore. Okay, let's be real. A lot of doctors say that, but it is true sometimes. Mm -hmm. And just having that mentor there, that guide makes a huge difference for success. You know, we can do that with each other in relationships, but sometimes you really need a professional Mm, to help you. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, that friendships and connections are critical. Absolutely. They're the foundation for us, I think. But you're right. Sometimes you do need a professional. You shouldn't be ashamed of that. You should nope. put the resources, Absolutely. whatever resources you can towards that. Well, and this literally became my medical treatment, mm. you know, for what I was doing. Right. And right. I'm not saying that's going to be the same for everybody because individually we all are unique. Yeah. What works for one, this diet for this person or that, yeah. that treatment for that person. What matters is, is that people find what works for them, you know, and, and put the time into, do, into doing that. And so the money that I would put in, instead of putting towards medication, I put towards, you know, having a coach. Mm. And it's blessed me in so many ways in my life. It allowed me to be out with my children, allowed me to regain a quality of life. If you do not have your health, it doesn't matter if you're intelligent, if you have a great job, you know, if you're loved, maybe you're popular, if you're wealthy, whatever, find, find the word, you know, right. the category. But if you do not have your health, you have no quality of life and your ability to be happy is so hard, so challenged. So this is the physical pillar that you were talking about. Yeah. You said the spiritual pillar has always been there in your life. The mental, is that what you called it? Mental? Yeah. When did you start addressing that? So I had started really addressing my mental health a little bit, like I'd mentioned, when I was living in California. And then it wasn't until after the birth of my last child and I got stable physically, because mm-hmm. I really feel like being stable physically for me was the very first step before I could right. you know, move on to anything else. And then I started working on the mental aspects, going to counseling and to therapy. I actually found for me EMDR Mm -hmm. to be very, very effective in working with the traumatic experiences that I had. Now, EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. This is not something I had heard of. So can you explain exactly what yeah. kind of therapy that is? So for, especially for anybody who's experienced trauma. Now it doesn't just have to be childhood trauma. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't have to just be like rape or sexual assault. Even somebody, even in something like a car accident, the death of a close loved one. Okay. So I want to make sure that the spectrum on what trauma is, is not just like one little hole, right? Right. That, right, it, right. that is a spectrum on that. Everybody's different. And so what I might find traumatic, you might not. Right. And that's okay. And so the These are tools that are resources available to help you wherever you're at. And so EMDR is when you work with a trained clinician and they use movement, eye movement and motion to help you as you process the memory that Mm -hmm. has been traumatic for you. And what I found is, is that as I started doing this work, because I had done, you know, just traditional therapy, you're going to talk, which is important as well. Mm -hmm. But when I started the EMDR, my, my trauma lived in my gut. 
So I would be totally fine, have no diarrhea or any other bowel issues. And then I would go in for a therapy appointment and we would do the processing. And then when we were done, my gut would just, I would struggle for like two days Mm. and then it would come back up. Right. And I would stabilize. And I did this week after week as I went through memory after memory and you know, it's gotten better. How long, I have a couple questions, but how long did you go through either traditional therapy or the EMDR? How long did you go through intense therapy before you felt like you started to see the impact? You started to release that pain? I would say probably a couple years of traditional therapy. And Mm -hmm. then, because I hadn't even heard of EMDR. Mm -hmm. And then I'd had someone mention it to me. And then I would say I've done six to seven months, pretty intensive Mm -hmm. of EMDR. There's been a lot to unload. Do you still go back and do therapy here and there? Or? I do. It's interesting you say that. So you can get triggered. Uh, we yeah. had an experience over the holidays where we were traveling for Christmas and I had forgotten my purse. And it's a simple little thing. I had our passports. We ended up, you know, going down to Mexico and we were very isolated on this little beach house. And anyway, we had left a couple hours and I was just sitting in our van and, you know, it's gone. I, my purse. Yeah, and this is so, such a mom thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> that you go and you remember everything else. You know, every go to the bathroom, where's this? He had remembered everything. And my husband's like, oh, this is so logical, right? Who wants to turn around and drive two and a half hours back home? And then to get where you were, that's five hours total, right? Yeah. And he was like, no, it'll be fine. I've got my stuff. And for whatever reason, in my brain, it triggered me. It was a physical, and I figured it out talking about it with them. It was a physical safety thing with me because I couldn't drive Mm -hmm. if I didn't have my license. We'd had a little bit of vacation money we needed, you know. But if something happened to my husband and I needed to be completely responsible for everybody. You're stranded. I was stranded. And so for me, I didn't feel physically safe. And I I had a full-on panic flashback. Mm. And so that has told me that I need to go get some more work done. Did your family understand everything that's gone on in your life? So when things like that happen, do they recognize what's going on with you? Or are they like, mom? I would say, I would say yes and no. Um, my husband, before we got married, I sat him down and mm, I told him, honest with him, I said, and honestly, I th- thought he would walk away because yeah. I just wanted him to know if we're going to spend our lives together, that this is, this is part of who I am. And as my children have aged and matured, I've shared some things with them. I don't know if I'll ever share everything with them. Some things are not appropriate to share. You're very private and Mm -hmm. depressing, if being honest. But the experience we had was an educational experience for all of my family. I have not flashed back for quite a while. And so, you know, maybe it's the issues all we've been dealing with, the craziness this, you know, year and whatnot. And it just set the conditions were right. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. And so I I think it's admirable, though, that you recognize that, when things come up in life, it, it, you're not um, shaming yourself. You're not putting guilt on yourself saying, yeah, I, I didn't perfect yeah. myself yet. I, you know, you just recognize that, okay, this is a moment when I need to go reach out for some help to get me past this yeah. hurdle, this moment, this season, whatever it is. Well, and there's so many resources available now. Yeah. And we really, really want to make sure that people know that it's okay. You know, just like we would get help if we had a broken arm or we mm-hmm. get cancer, right? Yeah. Those are some of the easy examples that are used. But mentally, we really need to recognize how much change this last year alone, let alone the craziness of living life mm-hmm. and seeking out that support. 
I believe that there are trained people who can give us the tools to help ourselves and help others as well. It's really important and it affects our quality of life. Yeah, it does. So one of the big messages that you like to share is just this importance or this recognition that our mental and our physical health are totally tied together. Absolutely. You said or a minute ago, you said my stress or my anxiety, my trauma lived in my gut. And, and you believe, um, and it makes sense, that you believe that your autoimmune issues have been triggered or exacerbated by the experiences that you had in childhood. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because you. when you, you're diagnosed with something, you want to know all the information, right. right? And so I remember talking to the GI doctor who diagnosed me and said, well, there's probably a family, you know, like genetic predisposition. Mm-hmm. And so, okay. But it wasn't until I started doing the EMDR and I started f- actually being completely fine and then having the physical experiences that I was having of, you know, having my gut literally react to, you know, the work that I was doing that I was like, wow, I had read several scientific studies that talk about trauma lives in the body. And, you know, I knew it had been validated and that was good and fine and all, but it wasn't until I really started digging down that I literally learned that firsthand for myself. Mm-hmm. And my body would pull back out of it, you know, the symptoms and issues that I was having, but it needed to be dealt with. And there's a lot of books and information that are available out there that talk quite a bit about it. So then what's the significance for you of understanding that or for other people that are listening, what's the significance of recognizing that the physical and mental emotional are tied together? Well, so if you're only addressing one, so for a long time, I was only doing the physical aspects, right? right? And it was, you know, I was kind of dealing with it, but it wasn't complete. I wasn't on a road to healing until I dealt with both ends of the problem, because as people were complete, you, as I believe I have a body, I have a soul, which is a physical body and a spirit. Mm -hmm. And so I can't, I have to address both ends of that, not just my physical body and not just the emotional, ideally both ends. And I think that, you know, it's been kind of challenging. Sometimes medicine has been a little slow to recognize the connection of the mental health to the body. Yeah. You, you have, you mentioned that, I think earlier before we were recording, you were mentioning that by and large, every doctor you've been to has actually given you a lot of pushback, especially in the GI community. If you're a nice GI doctor, (laughs) I don't want to throw you under the bus, but it has been very, very discouraging. You are literally paying a doctor for care Mm -hmm. and to have a doctor swear at me, to have a doctor dismiss me, to have a doctor minimalize me in California, in Oregon, in Utah that tells me that that's just not one doctor, Mm -hmm. a pattern, right? Anybody can have one experience, but when it's repeated, we learn that there's a pattern. Mm -hmm. And so it's so hard because as people are physically ill, you know, you just have to advocate for yourself on that level is really hard. It's been a message with a lot of guests that that I've had on that have had medical challenges or physical challenges. It's been kind of a consistent message that you have to be able to trust your intuition and really advocate for yourself and research and find your own information. And then, like you said, sometimes you just have to go with it and do what you think is going to be right for you. Absolutely. And, you know, I can have GI doctors that have told me before diet and exercise are not real treatments and have nothing to do with Crohn's disease. But, you know, the last 12 years clearly speak for themselves. I've only had one hospitalization in uh, the last 13 years. And so the results clearly speak for themselves. I know how I feel and I know how my body responds. And so everybody should learn for themselves. Yeah. And so right now today, you run six days a week. I do. 
you are pretty close to vegan. You said you'll be full vegan when your I kids will. are gone. This is, you know, and I have teenage boys, and they are growing so much. And they don't want to eat vegan. No, and I get it. And not only that, the level of volume of fresh stuff yes. that I would have to produce and help them have access to. Wow. It's challenging. And yes. so, yes, when they're gone, and it's, you know, that time and season in life, mm-hmm. absolutely. I like to eat that way as much as I can anyway. We have several days a week where I don't cook with meat, and they're pretty good. That's awesome. So you've got the exercise down. You've got the nutrition down. You're do, you have done quite a bit of extensive therapy work. You're continuing to do that kind of work. And in mindfulness, you said, is a big part of your life. You are a very spiritual person. You've talked, maybe do you want to mention that? Because I know that's a big piece of your life. Just, it is. And everybody needs to find what works for them. Yeah. You know, there's sometimes there's a tendency in different places and cultures to feel like it's got to be this or it's got to be that. But mm-hmm. in the end, we're all on an individual level. I, I, for me, I know God has led me step by step, you know, line upon line from not only finding a coach, but to even something as simple as finding a fuel to, to, for my body, Mm -hmm. you know, since I don't digest and absorb well, I found a company that I use their stuff because it's so easy for me to digest and absorb because there's this scientific process of blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. And so anyway, I work for the company now, you know, and that passion and things that, that I have learned from them firsthand, they were literally like, I couldn't even, I, the first marathon I ran, I didn't take in any nutrition. Ah, 26 miles. How did you do that? Not, not very effectively. Not well. Don't recommend it. Okay. Right. And so it's little things like that, having a nutrition, right. That, that my body can take to fuel itself for Mm -hmm. 50 miles, you know, and, you know, or running fast and hard, little things like that to the people, the good women that I've been able to surround myself with that I've met through running and, just the medical professionals, functional medicine is the concept of, I feel like, a little team effort. And this mm-hmm. is what it's been. You know, I've, I've received chiropractic care, and that's been a huge part of it. You know, body work through massage and just other things. So many people have helped me. And that is what functional medicine is. It's using all of these things, not just the GI mm-hmm. aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Not just the spiritual, but functional medicine, treating the whole person. And what works for me might not work for somebody else, but people really should find what thing works for them. And, you know, I've had a lot of success, acupuncture, yoga, right? Just all these you've things. You've tried it. You've done everything. You know, and it's really, it's amazing what I've learned because I have, been forced to think outside of the box. Mm-hmm. So to wrap this up, let's talk about one of the things that's a huge theme for you, and that's resilience. What does resilience mean to you? How come that's been such a big theme for you? Resilience is a word that I had heard many, many years ago. And when I started doing more therapy work, it kind of spoke to me more. Resilience is the concept that adversity you know, you just find a way to keep going. You become resilient, kind of bouncy, bouncy back, right? And resilience is, I feel like it's also more than just bouncing back, but it's seeking to reach out and to lift others. So many people are struggling. And when you've learned and become empathic because of experience, I believe that there's no greater joy than lifting another person. It almost redeems you in that sense. You know, it's, it's so easy when you're not well or you're struggling to be inside of yourself. 
and just because you're just surviving. And so if you've been there, resilience to me is reaching out and lifting another, looking outside of yourself, seeing who needs you, what, what can you do? It doesn't have to be big, right? It can be simple reaching out communication. It can be taking someone's garb, you know, garbage can back up to their house. Sometimes I pick up trash on my run, right? I'm not a saint, but it's just a little thing. To me, that is what resilience is. It's not letting difficulty define you, but it's finding another way. Thank you so much for that message. Thank you for this conversation today. I know there's so much in here that I, is going to be really impactful for people. And I'm guessing that there's people that are experiencing the same emotional, if not physical challenges that you had. And I know that your advice is going to be really valuable. So thank you, Amy. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Okay. Let's talk about where people can find you. Instagram and website. Tell us what those are. So um, on Instagram, I'm Resilience Runner. And so my website is similar to that. It's called Running on Resilience. And you can find me there. I love it. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of She's Simply Amazing. If you are loving this podcast and getting so much out of it, please help us grow it. You can subscribe to the podcast and share each episode that you love. You can join our community on Instagram by following at Simply Amazing Podcast. And please, please, if you're loving this, go leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. Those reviews really help us grow. We'll see you next week.